0: Shortly before I was ordained, um, the director or rector of our seminary got all the guys together, all the seminarians before we were all ordained and went to our own little diocese. And he got us all together and he said, gentlemen, we're really proud of you, but please don't forget this. He said, there's some things that you just won't really understand until you're a pastor. He said, we can explain, we can train, but you won't really get it until you're running a parish, so to speak, or a pastor. You got to be there, in other words. You have to do it. And I have lived long enough to know what he's talking about. Those of you that are married, by way of an analogy, I think you would probably agree with me is that there's some things people won't really understand until they're married. You know, you can explain it to couples, you can explain it to single people and people getting ready for marriage, but they won't really understand what it's like until after they're married, some of the peaks and valleys, some of the things you have to work through. In other words, you have to do it. You know, we don't always like the people that we love. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Today we celebrate in the Catholic world what's called World Marriage Day. So that today's all about marriage and people that it maybe have come through even broken marriages. So we pray for them and, and celebrate their lives as well. We pray for people getting ready for marriage and for those who are married. Today is about that. You know, we're, have you noticed that we're routine-prone people, most of us? I mean, take for instance bedtime. People have their routines as they get ready for bed. I brush my teeth, I get ready, whatever it is. And people in bed, they, some people sleep on their side, some people sleep on their stomach, some people sleep on their back, some people want it like 7,000 degrees in their bedroom. I'm one of those people, I want like steam coming out of the bed. I have my electric blanket cranked, man. Some people want it like negative 12 degrees in their bed. And usually those two people, are, by the way, are married, okay? Some people want white noise. Some people, it's got to be total silence, right? So we all have our routines. And then after we wake up, we have our routines how we start the day. I have my coffee here, don't talk to me. So, we have our routines, and these are things most couples never really learn until after they're married. But usually, at a certain point, <laughs> you'll wake up next to someone after six months of marriage and they're snoring. <laughs> right? I'm sure that's nobody here. I'm sure that's nobody. And you think to this person, as they're keeping you awake, I love you, but I do not like you. I do not like you at this point. And in marriage, we are called to love someone we don't always like, but in doing so, in dying to ourselves, we become a better person. Question, what is the goal of marriage? Anybody t- want to take a guess? Why do we ha- what's the end game of marriage? Heaven. Okay, that's it. That's why we're here. This is the end game. There's a hundred billion people that have lived on this planet thus far. The odds of you meeting this person, I'm not exaggerating, are a trillion to one. You could have been born at any point in human history, 500 years ago or 500 years in the future. If you think about the thousands of people you meet in a lifetime, what is the odds of you meeting this person and falling in love? It's possible God had a plan. We don't always like the people we love, but when we love this person we don't always like, we usually become a better human being. You know, um, pe- people remind us there's no guarantees in marriage. If you want a guarantee, buy a car battery, okay? There's no guarantees in marriage. Comedian Frank Carson, he used to joke, he said, you know, I'm, I know my wife loves me but I don't think she likes me that much. She said, I had a heart attack, and she wrote a letter to the hospital calling for an ambulance. (laughs) You know? You ever feel that way? But it's like, it's true. It's kind of how it is for each one of us. If you permit me, I just want to give you some of the things and just pass along some things I've learned in meeting with thousands of couples, things that they have taught me. I'm not an authority on anything. And somebody would say, Father, what is this? what do you, what, what do you know about marriage? I know nothing, but I share with you some of the things that they have taught me. So these are 10 things I'm just going to share with you. Call them Father Ben's Ten Commandments of Marriage, all right, whatever you want to call it, all right? these are troubles of couples and how to fix them. From couples, by the way. Number one, communication. People will often think, or couples will often think, that if they disagree, they're fighting. No. There is what we call productive conflict. Just because we have two different perspectives does not mean we're fighting. And just because, by the way, we're not disagreeing doesn't mean we have a healthy communication either. There's one couple in our parish who will go unnamed. He's a raging Democrat and she is a raging Republican. I always joke with them, I'm going to put a camera in the house and watch them. You know, just stir the pot. They don't always agree, it's beautiful, but there's a respectful dialogue between them there's nothing more important than communication. Number two, marital intimacy. Marital intimacy, there's something we learn on the job. Do you know by the way, according to the Bible and according to the Catholic Church, there's three levels of intimacy in marriage, did you know this? Spiritual intimacy, i.e. I can pray with this person. Emotional intimacy, there's no topic that's off the table without triggering an argument. I can talk about this and this but we don't talk about that. That's not emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy means we can talk about anything. We have to talk, talk about it all the time. And then and only then do we have sexual intimacy. Then and only then. The problem You and I live in a culture that understands sex in terms of a contact sport, okay? And they wonder why they have problems. (laughs) They start with the last and make their way up if they even care about the other two, all right? But when we have the uh, spiritual and emotional in place first, the third is awesome, You know the way John Paul II referred to sexual love and marriage? And I'm quoting. He says, he calls it, quote, a language of the body. He says, every time a couple comes together in that act, and I'm quoting, he says, they renew their wedding vows with their bodies. They don't have to use words. You ain't going to hear about that in Cosmopolitan magazine. Number three. Please keep in mind that you marry the family, not just the person, in case you haven't noticed that. And usually everyone in the family is going to have an opinion on your marriage. Those of you that are married, please keep in mind, if you don't mind, in all humility, that you did not marry that family, you married the person, i.e., your spouse comes first. If you need to give them a boundary, that's what we do. Number four. This is often overlooked. Boredom. Monotony. You know, a lot of what I do as a priest is monotony. Cleaning in these pews, right? I I do it because that's what I'm called to do, but it's kind of monotonous. A lot of times in marriage, it's monotonous. So here's my question to you. How do you make small talk with this person you're married to? Do you? <laughs> what do you mean father small talk? How was your day? Honey, do you want to have a glass of wine? You want to go for a walk? And you may know exactly what they're going to say, ask them anyway. Conversely, some people they're really good at small talk but they're allergic to silence. They can't handle silence because If he's not talking, he must be mad at me. Honey, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? He's not saying anything. She's not saying anything. Uh, I'm not saying anything because I had a, a horrible day. It has nothing to do with you. But they read cryptic meanings. And the other person's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just don't feel like talking. Displacement of anger, number five. What is displacement of anger? It means that if there's someone in my life that I'm mad at, i.e. my boss, my brother who's an alcoholic, whatever it is, I'm not going to take that anger out on my spouse. I'm going to go to that person and give them a boundary, but that requires this little thing we call courage. I may talk it over with my spouse, but I'm not going to displace that anger. Number six, can I make a humble suggestion, brothers and sisters? Have some time in your day with your spouse where you turn off your cell phone. Remove your iWatch, close your laptop, and turn the television off. You know, there's an expression that says loneliness inside of a marriage Is exponentially worse than loneliness outside of a marriage. Single people will often want to get married because they're lonely, but loneliness inside of a marriage is much, much worse. And you know how easy it is to get lonely when you're trying to have a dialogue with someone and this is what you get in response. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All you see is their forehead. So they stop, right? I'm checking football scores, scrolling social media, and checking live 360 for my kids. Oh, by the way, do you, <laughs> you know you're married to this person? From this time to this time, we are going to turn our de- devices off. I realize your job is important, so is mine. Can you imagine how that would go over? I was doing marriage counseling or confessions, and I was like, wait, can you just hang on one second? Seven, finances. Let me, if you permit me just to reiterate the obvious point. Finances is often a trigger for anger for many couples, and please keep in mind, that when we see other families and other couples on social media, vacationing in exotic places, when you dig beneath the surface, they're often paycheck to paycheck. Parenting styles. Do you defer to your spouse on how they parent, how you parent the child? You can't win everything. Number nine. Something we talk about here in this parish a lot, self-care. Do you have self-care? You can't give what you don't what? You can't give what you don't what? Take care of yourself. You can't give what you don't have. It's all of us. You know, if you don't remember anything of what I'm telling you this morning, please remember this, okay? Please don't forget what I'm about to tell you. If people don't deal with their own issues, they will end up weaponizing their insecurities. I'm going to say that once again. When someone doesn't deal with their own issues, they will end up weaponizing their own woundedness. What do I mean when I say that? If you don't deal with your own brokenness, if you need to forgive, if you need to heal, whatever it is, your insecurities, people will always weaponize that against their spouse without realizing they're doing it. This is why we often say the greatest gift you can give your spouse is to work on yourself. It's the same as a priest. If I don't, have my, if I don't deal with my issues, it's all of you that have to deal with that. You get Father Grouchy. Finally, prayer you pray with this person? Really, do you pray with this person in the home? If you don't, good news, this Wednesday we start Lent. You can start afresh. Rejoice and repent, here comes Lent. Put your crash helmet on. I'll close with this. So this past week, Um, The U.S. News and World Report did a ranking of every country in the world and who had the best educational system and who had the worst educational system. Which country had the best, which country had the worst? If you're interested, United States was ranked number 16. Second, Finland, number one, anybody know? Sweden. Sweden has the best educational system in the world, why? because, if you can believe it, they pay their teachers well and if something comes up with a problematic child, they def- the parents defer to the teacher over the child. It's a little different than our country. And by the way, there they have all the students teaching other students and if you've ever taught you know the best way to learn something is to teach it and that's what they do. Finally, the number one reason they are number one, the number one reason they're number one, both parents are in the home and both parents are active in the child's education. That's why I'm sharing this with you. You could never get that if they are not working on their communication. Underneath all that is two people that somehow are working on their communication. We may not always like the people we love, but in loving the people we don't always like, we ourselves become a better human being.